and they weren't just singing because they had good voices. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) They, They were worshiping. Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee and join Colleen Tinker and Nikki Stevenson as they discuss their life after Adventism. Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. I'm Nikki Stevenson. And I'm Colleen Tinker. Today we're going to be doing things just a little bit differently. Colleen and I had planned to bring you a podcast on how to live life in the body of Christ after being in Adventism. But as we were talking about this episode, it became clear that we really needed to deal with the issue of how to leave the Sabbath first. Mm -hmm. Because after all, most of the believers are at church on Sunday. That's you got to get through those doors. So we're going to deal with that today. And it's going to be pretty casual because this is spontaneous. Yeah, it is. But before we get started, let me remind you that you can write to us at formeradventist at gmail.com. Visit proclamationmagazine.com to sign up for our weekly emails containing new online articles delivered to your inbox every week. You can also make a donation to the ministry while you're there. You can like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So I think before we get started, it's a good idea to remind our listeners that we're actually going to have this conversation with the assumption, with the truth, that... The Seventh-day Adventist teaching on the Sabbath is a false teaching, and it's an Adventist idol. Absolutely. So if anybody has a hard time starting there, we'd (laughs) encourage you to go listen to episode 119. That one deals with fundamental belief number 20 on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. For today's purposes, we're just going to assume that you've already heard that. I agree, Nikki. We're going to assume that you all know the Sabbath as Adventists teach it is an idol, And it's part of our job in repenting from our past to let go of the pieces of Adventism that represented salvation to us that were not truly part of salvation. And Sabbath is one of those things. Completely, yeah. That was the big thing for me, actually. Leaving the Sabbath was what prevented me from even going into another Christian church. That was the last thing that had to go before I could step through the doors. In fact, isn't it interesting that when people start to think of leaving Adventism, or you tell people that you have discovered the gospel, or that you're going to a Sunday church, and isn't it funny that we still call them Sunday churches? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, People's first question is never, what about Jesus? It's, well, what about the Sabbath? Yeah. So, you know, it holds a central position. It's Mm -hmm. an idol. Yeah. You know, I think that that there might be two sentiments behind that, and that might be too limited, but I often think of the person who loves the Sabbath and would never want to let go of it, and then I think of the person who's terrified of leaving the Sabbath, and why would you ever risk your salvation? And so, there's always stuff behind that question, and when you first leave, it's hard to know how to answer that. Because you, so true. you know that all of their justifications for Sabbath keeping are ingrained. It's in their DNA. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I don't know why this is such an indelible memory, but it was in the 90s before we had left. It was still Adventist. We were still going to the university church in La Melinda. And on a Friday afternoon, I had some reason to be in La Melinda for an errand that I had to do. And while I was there, I met another Adventist woman that I knew, and she looked at me, and we passed each other on the sidewalk, and she said to me, oh, I just don't know 
what people do who don't have the Sabbath. Mm. And I said, oh, I totally agree. I know exactly how you feel. I felt the same way. Yeah, me too. Especially when I was in college, didn't want to study. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt the same way all along, especially after I would get my illegitimate floor washing finished after the early hours of the Sabbath on Friday night. But once that was done, then let's have Sabbath. Mm -hmm. What do you think about people who say, okay, Ellen White, false prophet, um, Adventist doctrine, not right, but the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth one. It's very obvious that you're supposed to keep it. I've got to find a church that has the gospel, doesn't have Ellen, but keeps the Sabbath. What do you say to them? Here's what I say to that. I understand where they're coming from, because I felt that too. Mm-hmm. I even felt that after we had originally left and we visited a church where it was pastored by a former Adventist and it was meeting on Sunday, but I remember Richard and I having a conversation in the car after we left that church saying, oh, wouldn't it be fun to find a church that was composed of former Adventists and we could meet on the Sabbath, but we would know the truth and we would know the new covenant. And I realize now how misguided that was and how short-sighted it was. And here's what I say. The whole issue of Sabbath worship, because it's in the Ten Commandments, is still hanging on to the law. Even in the cases of Christians who are not Adventists, there's still a reverence for the Ten Commandments without understanding that Jesus has fulfilled the law. Now, I know this is coming really close to stepping on toes of some branches of Christianity, if you want to call it that, who hold to a paradigm called covenant theology. And in covenant theology, there is the understanding, there's just the assumption that the Ten Commandments continues as a rule of faith and practice for the church. But that assumption is not biblical. And I say this understanding that there will be Christians who would probably argue with me. And yet, in order to have worked out of the false gospel of Adventism, Nikki, you know how hard we've had to delve into the New Testament, how Mm -hmm. thoroughly we've had to give up our preconceptions, Mm -hmm. how literally we've had to read Galatians and Romans and Ephesians and Colossians too. You can't read those passages and come away believing the Ten Commandments can be separated out from the rest of the law. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 7 says it, with a change of the priesthood from Levi to Melchizedek, there must be a change of the law. The Ten Commandments was the essence of the Old Covenant law, and Jesus fulfilled it. Now, that doesn't mean morality is different, but Sabbath was the sign of the Old Covenant. It was a ritual practice. It is not a continuation. Now, to be sure, rest in Christ is a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sabbath and the rest of Sabbath for Israel was a real thing that foreshadowed rest in Christ. But when we know Jesus, to hang on to a holy day is to put something in His place, because only God is holy, not created days. Yeah, and you know, Hebrews 3 and 4 tells us what Sabbath is in the New Covenant. I understand a lot of the people I know 
who adhere to covenant theology, they would say it's not a command the way that it was for the Jews. It's right. You're not going to be killed if you don't keep it. And in fact, a lot of them will define what it is to keep the Sabbath differently, and they give each other the freedom in the room to do that. Mm-hmm. Because I think they understand that the covenant of grace demands that it not be what it was for Israel. Right. But I would encourage them to go read Hebrews 3 and 4 and understand that it was the Lord himself in writing this letter to to the Hebrews who explains what Sabbath in the New Covenant is. I agree. It's not the Sunday hours. No. The Sabbath in the New Covenant is resting in Christ for salvation. It's the finished work of salvation. That's made very clear in those two chapters. The Israelites were keeping the Sabbath, but they never entered the rest of God. That's right. We're told there that they didn't enter that rest because of unbelief. And now when we believe in Christ, we enter that rest. And that's why it says, as long as it is called today, enter that rest. It's a new day. It's a new name. So that's all fleshed out for us in Scripture. We're not left trying to figure out how to do this. No. It's taught very clearly there. And I always worry about our friends who leave Adventism and they have to deal with this issue of leaving the Sabbath, finding a Christian church, Mm -hmm. and they end up somehow connected to a a group that says Sunday is the Sabbath. I worry about it too. You're going to lose them. And so I want to say to them, even if you meet true believers who are going to stand and tell you Sunday is the Sabbath, you need to trust what you know the Bible says. That's right. It's okay to disagree with true believers. It is. And a true believer is not defined as somebody who follows the teachings of Jesus. And I want to make that clear because a lot of more progressive both evangelical and Adventist churches will try to make public statements that a Christian is somebody who follows the teachings of Jesus. No, a Christian, according to the New Testament, according to Jesus himself when he talked to Nicodemus, is somebody who believes and who is born again. Somebody who believes in the finished work of Jesus, and as it says in John five twenty four, he who believes passes from death to life. And then Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says that when a person has believed the gospel of his salvation, he is filled with the Holy Spirit of promise. And the gospel of our salvation is defined absolutely clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel of our salvation. So, When we believe the gospel of our salvation, we automatically enter the rest of God because He adopts us. He gives us new birth. So, when our former Adventist friends encounter Christians who say Sunday is the Sabbath, I have two things I want to say, and I'm just going to reiterate what you said, Nikki. Number one, it doesn't mean that those people are not true Christians. If people have truly trusted Jesus— if they have trusted the gospel of their salvation and have been born again, they are your brothers and sisters in Christ, even if they've never had to examine the new covenant in the depth that we have had to because we had Adventism to unpack. I also want to say this, a Christian who says Sunday is the Sabbath has not truly examined Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Romans in the sense of the New Covenant and Hebrews. Because nowhere is there ever anything in Scripture that says the Sabbath has been transferred from the Sabbath 
to Sunday. There's no sacred day in the new covenant. And Paul makes that clear in Romans 14, where he says, one person regards one day as more holy than another, and another regards all days the same. Let each be convinced in their own mind. If, in fact, the Sabbath was the seal of God and the last test of of loyalty to God, the final test thrust of the persecution to come, <laughs> then this is a great place for Paul to say that, but he doesn't. No. He, he makes it this non-issue. Exactly. And never in the list of sins in the New Testament, and there are many, Paul lists sins, Peter lists sins, Mm -hmm. the sorts of sins that will not enter the kingdom. Never is Sabbath breaking among the sins. We have sins that the law didn't even contain that are listed in the New Testament, such as Mm -hmm. greed and gluttony, and they're equated with idolatry. But Sabbath breaking, never ever mentioned as a sin And Sabbath keeping is never listed as a moral requirement. No. And in fact, Sabbath, as the Jews understood it, is described in Colossians as a shadow. It's foreshadowing the substance. Who is Christ? Christ is the bread of life. He's the shepherd. He's the lamb that was slain. He's the door. He's all of these things. And he is our Sabbath rest. That's why you hear Christians say that. Jesus is my Sabbath rest. Yeah. Everything the temple service and the law foreshadowed is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus, every single thing. So I have to tell you, after I understood this and after I was born again, my kids were very young and I was sitting on the floor in the living room playing with one of them. The other one was dancing around to some music and I had the thought, this feels like the Sabbath. It's (laughs) Wednesday. And I realized that specialness that I attributed to a day that I created, essentially I did. I did all the housework. I did all the cooking. I made it a special day with all of my labor on preparation day and then set it aside and rested, whatever that looked like for me, Mm -hmm. because it was very subjective in my life. I was experiencing that while I was doing the work of motherhood on a Wednesday, and I didn't prepare that day. I had nothing to do with it. It was the day that the Lord had made. (laughs) And and just like Adam and Eve were created into their Sabbath, Mm -hmm. their rest, which had no end, the new believers who are born again, we are created new into the rest that Christ offers. And there is no end there either. You know, when Richard and I first broke the Sabbath deliberately, and, and I have to say, for a long time, we had not been going to church. Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath. We were doing our weekly Bible studies with our neighbors, and as time went on and we understood the gospel, it sort of morphed, and we started holding Sunday services. We started actually having church in our home with them. And um, so, we would have Sunday as a day of worship, and we would have lunch together, and it would take up several hours of the day, but we still sort of wouldn't do anything on the Sabbath kind of like just in case. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even completely thought out. It was just a visceral reaction like, well, we can't do yard work on the Sabbath, but we're not going to worship on it. Mm -hmm. And we finally chatted and said, look, if Jesus is everything, then we actually have to put our behavior where our belief is. We have to deliberately trample on this day. And I know that sounds kind of shocking, but the fact is, if the Sabbath is not part of salvation, then we, as people who thought it was, 
really have to let it go in as in as deliberate and dramatic a fashion as an idol worshiper would have to let his idols go. Yeah. Because that's what Sabbath was. Mm-hmm. So that week we decided to put our money where our mouth was, so to speak. And on Sabbath, I did the laundry as a statement to myself. <laughs> and Richard mowed the lawn, partly as a statement to himself and partly as a statement to some of the Adventist people we knew in our surrounding greater neighborhood who sometimes drove by our house on Sabbath. He mowed the lawn knowing he could be seen. It was the following Friday when I was standing in the kitchen thinking about the week It had been the most remarkable week. I couldn't even explain it. And Richard came into the kitchen and said, you know, this is so strange, but I felt like the presence of the Lord all week in a way I always hoped to feel on the Sabbath and never really did. And I said, you are kidding. That's exactly what I've been experiencing this week. (laughs) The Lord was with us. He honored us and let us know the Sabbath was not part of honoring Him. Knowing and resting in Him and trusting Him was what counted. Yeah, I had to come to realize that that whole just-in-case thing that you described, I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. play with that idea Mm -hmm. when they're leaving Adventism. But I had to realize that it's not a just-in-case thing. It's not Mm -hmm. like being prepared for an earthquake, you know? (laughs) It's actually acting out a lack of trust in the finished work of Christ. Our salvation doesn't hinge on the strength of our faith or our hope. Our salvation hinges on the object of our faith. And so if there is any sense that we are relying on the Sabbath to make sure we're right with God, we don't understand that on our own, we cannot be right with God. In fact, as we were talking before we started doing this podcast, we reiterated something that we've often said to each other and to other people as well. If you can't do anything to be saved, and Adventists will often say, I would have said as an Adventist, oh, I don't have to keep the Sabbath to be saved. Mm -hmm. But what I wouldn't have articulated, but what I would have been thinking is, but I might lose my salvation if I don't. Yeah. Well, if it doesn't help you get saved, it can't make you lost if you don't keep it. Well, I'll tell you how I used to think about that. I would have said, you don't have to keep the Sabbath to be saved. If I leave the Sabbath, I lose my salvation because I saw Sabbath keeping as having greater light. And I understood that we were judged as an Adventist. We were judged based on our response to all the light that we had. That's true. And so some people might not have that light and they don't keep the Sabbath, but they could be saved. You know, we are not taught the security of the believer whatsoever in Adventism. That's a heresy. Oh, right. So there is no security. And I remember after my first conference, Somebody asked me, are you saved? And my answer was, I hope so. Because I didn't understand. I thought I could lose my salvation. When I really grasped the fact that once you're saved, once you're born again, you're kept by the power of God, 1 Peter 1, that it's Him who keeps you in salvation. He's the one who sanctifies you. He's the one who has set you apart for His purposes. The whole Sabbath issue was very clear. Yes. It was very clear that it had absolutely nothing to do with my salvation. It's all of God, start to finish. And it's not about 24 hours. No. It's not about created time. The created time that Israel was commanded to honor was a shadow, as Paul says in Colossians 2.16, of the reality, the substance which is Christ. Just like 
the substance of the showbread was a shadow of the Lord Jesus's body. Just as the substance of the actual flames that were going up and burning the candles inside the temple, those were shadows of Jesus, the light of the world. Every single physical thing connected with the temple service, including the temple itself, was a physical shadow of a bigger reality that was realized in the person of Christ, and that's Sabbath rest as well. It was always a shadow. Now, I think one of the things that is confusing for people as they're leaving Adventism, especially people that that were like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> who didn't read Ellen, but mm-hmm. she was just woven into everything else they thought about God, it's important to remember, if you're going to throw Ellen White out, because many people who leave and want to keep the Sabbath do believe they're throwing her out. If you're going to throw her out, you have to throw out the notion that the Sabbath was eternal. You have to throw out the notion that it was given at creation. Neither of those things are true. And you have to know that it wasn't given until it was given to Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 2, the Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. This is Moses speaking to Israel. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, all of us who are alive here today. He's speaking to Israel, and it's Israel who's given the Sabbath. And in fact, you couldn't keep the Sabbath unless you were circumcised and a part of Israel. You had to convert to even keep the Sabbath. It wasn't yours to keep. (laughs) Right. The idea that, oh, but we've always had the Sabbath. The Sabbath and marriage were given at creation. No, it was never commanded. Marriage was done. That's clear. And Mm -hmm. God told them to fill the earth, multiply, and subdue the earth. But there is no command to keep the Sabbath. And the argument about the seventh day, I just want to say, go back and read Genesis 2. Genesis 1 and 2. That seventh day did not have a beginning and an ending. The other six days did. The evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth days. There is no beginning and ending, evening and morning, connected with the seventh day. On that seventh day, God ceased. He was done. And He didn't pick His work up again on the next day. And furthermore, that was Adam and Eve's second day of life. They were created on the sixth day, and they were created, as you said at the beginning, into God's finished work, into His rest. There was no command to keep the Sabbath until As Paul reiterates what you just read from Deuteronomy, he's very specific in Galatians 3, and he says, the law, which included the fourth commandment, which stated that Israel was to keep that fourth commandment in memory of God's finished work of creation, and in Deuteronomy, in memory of their rescue from Egypt, he says in Galatians 3, verse 17, What I am saying is this, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. It came 430 years later after Abraham, and then he says in verse 19 that it was to last until the seed. So, the Sabbath with the law, with the Ten Commandments, came 430 years after Abraham. It lasted until the seed. And if you're struggling with this as you think about what you're going to do with the Sabbath, you have to know it's all 
dependent upon how you see what the Bible says about the covenants. The new covenant is new. Jesus fulfilled everything written in the old covenant, every shadow of the law. If you know him, you are born again and you are in his rest. And if you haven't read Galatians, it only takes 20 minutes. (laughs) You got to do it. Yeah, what she said. (laughs) (laughs) With all of that being said, people who want to find a church that worship on the Sabbath, would you say that that would be a mistake for former Adventists? Absolutely. We have to give up the Sabbath because it was part of our worship and part of our salvation formula. It was for us as Adventists an idol. We couldn't worship correctly without it. And the Bible never says that. Yes, you have to find a church that doesn't honor the Sabbath. And I do think that churches that do meet on the Sabbath are still holding the law in a position it was never meant to be held by Christians. And you know, I know there are some non-denominational churches that meet Saturday and Sunday. And I would say, go to their Sunday service. I would too. Just go. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the person who's convinced. They believe what we've said. They know that it was an idol. They know that it terrified them, frankly. So logically, they're there. But emotionally, how do you deal with the reactions that come up against what you know in your head that prevent you from wanting to walk through those doors? That's a very real thing, and it is kind of related to PTSD. Mm -hmm. It is a trauma response from the fear we were raised in. And you have to know that. When you're born again, when you have trusted Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. You are right with God. You are given Jesus' own resurrection life in you, reconnecting you to the Father. His Spirit is in you. That fear is not from Him. The fear of death, which is what the fear of breaking the Sabbath actually is, is something from Satan. And that's made very clear in Hebrews 2, 14 to 16. Jesus came and destroyed him who holds the fear of death, that is the devil, and set us free from that fear. So that fear, first of all, you have to know it's not from God. Secondly, those are the moments when you have to know that his word can't fail. And no matter what your heart is saying, no matter what your emotions are doing, you have to act on what you know is true, and that's the Word of God. The Word of God says, don't fail to meet together with other believers. It says, He is the completion of the law. He is the reality. In Him is rest. And we go where the believers are to worship. And we have to know that His Word can't fail. It won't trick us. And if Sabbath were really part of the deal, the New Covenant would have to explain it that way, but it's very clear it doesn't. Yeah, you know, 1 John chapter 4 talks about love. We have this this wonderful assurance that comes from this passage. Beginning in verse 13, it says, By this we know that we remain in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him, and He in God. Guys, this doesn't say anything about the Sabbath. Not a thing. This is about believing God, testifying of what is true of God. He goes on in verse 16, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. 
God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. By this, this indwelling, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Guys, there's nothing about Sabbath. We're talking now about judgment. There's nothing about Sabbath. It's about whether or not God is in us. That's right. And then he says, because as he is, we also are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We stand before God, not fearing punishment. We stand before God, not fearing the judgment. And there's nothing about the Sabbath here. No. We stand before God in God, God in us, confident on the day of judgment because his perfect love casts out that fear and gives us in its place the assurance of our salvation. That's so amazing, Nikki. I remember the first time, I can't say it's the first time I went to a Sunday church, but it's the first time I remember actually going to a church service with the thought that I might go again. It was our first time at Trinity Church. (laughs) After that first Sunday, and surprisingly, we met a couple of other former Adventists who were already there. That was a big surprise to me. It was so compelling that we went back a second Sunday. And that second Sunday was the time we left there, both of us, with a deep, convicting sense that we had come home. Mm-hmm. We went in there. We heard the Word of God preached. Gary was preaching through the book of Ephesians And he had preached through Ephesians 2, 1 to 4, where he talked about the natural state of us being dead in sin. But God has raised us up together with Christ and seated us in heavenly places. He didn't even expound that whole passage of what it means that by grace we are saved through faith in that sermon. But just hearing him talk about our natural condition of being dead— And then in His great mercy, He made us alive together with Christ. I was in tears. Mm. I knew He was telling my story, and my story was coming right out of Ephesians 2. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember we had communion that day. There was an empty seat between me and the man sitting next down the row from us. And as the communion tray passed down the aisle and I took it from him, I was shocked to see a grown man crying Mm -hmm. over communion. Mm -hmm. I was moved more deeply than I can explain. The presence of the Holy Spirit was palpable. Richard experienced the same thing. Never had I experienced that sense of the Holy Spirit being there in church, in an Adventist church. Never. It was completely different from anything I'd ever gone to. And seeing people responding to communion, responding to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with tears, knowing they were saved by that. Here I am, 22 years later, telling that story, and it's like yesterday. You know, (laughs) I don't remember a lot of details from church over the years, but that day I'll never forget. And the Lord convicted us, this is where you have to be. This is where you'll hear the Word taught. This is where you'll find fellowship. And I am here. He really is. (laughs) He really is. I remember our first time at Trinity, we had a similar experience. We didn't have communion, but just the singing portion of of our worship time together, the men were worshiping. They were singing. And they weren't just singing because they had good voices. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) They they were worshiping. Mm -hmm. The women were worshiping. 
Colleen, there were children there that were worshiping and the people had their feelings. I don't know how else to explain that, but they had emotion and it was real. Yeah. It makes me think often when I read in Ezekiel that he will take your heart of stone and turn it to a heart of flesh. I often think of that verse when I think about the fact that God gave me my feelings. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, it wasn't always fun. No. But there was stuff we had to deal with together. And that had to happen with feelings. That's right. (laughs) I had to deal with stuff. So you really do sense that people are truthful in a way that I can't explain because we're all still human and we're all still flawed in the body of Christ. Right. But there's, I hate to use the word because it's so married to emergent movements, but there's an authenticity that you just don't get in the Adventist church. I know today there are Sabbath meetings where people can come with their coffee, with their strappy dresses and their long earrings and no one judges anyone and it feels like community. But if you're one of those folks who attend a Sabbath service like that, I want you to know it may feel less judgmental than some of the other churches you've experienced on Sabbath, but I know you're still lonely. We, as we mentioned before, we often watch services from Loma Linda University Church. It's an, and it's interesting to watch over the years how things have morphed and changed and how the words and focus of what is taught and done has changed. And it reflects a lot, actually, of what happens in the more progressive evangelical movements where actually you don't always hear the Bible taught directly. There's a lot of social service, a lot of community building, as you said, a lot of um, feeding the poor, not a bad thing, things that Christians do, but it's not the gospel. One of the things we've even noticed lately is that there's been a shift (laughs) in some services to not say happy Sabbath, but there's some reference to happy seventh day or happy Saturday. So there's a downplaying of Sabbath in the old traditional sense. And yet these are Adventists who are going to church on Sabbath, listening to very progressive music teams, singing popular worship music. The music is brilliantly produced, beautifully performed, very professional, but it's still Sabbath. Like you said, Nikki, I want to encourage you if you're one of those who thinks, this doesn't feel like my parents' Adventism or my grandparents' Adventism. This is still Adventism. This is still a body of people who believe in their hearts that Sabbath is important eternally, who still have a connection, even if it's a very dim one, but who still have a connection to a false prophet named Ellen White, who still believe that man has no immaterial spirit, but he is physical, that Jesus himself was an example of how to overcome sin. Adventism is Adventism no matter what face it puts on. And if you are becoming convinced that you don't believe in the Adventist teachings, but you haven't met Jesus, I just encourage you to get out the book of Galatians and the book of Hebrews and begin reading and ask God to show you what is real. Because to be really honest, honoring the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath holy, respecting the Sabbath as a what-if or a just-in-case is not practicing that complete faith in Jesus. And even though it feels scary to say, I'm going to trust Jesus with this, I'm going to trample this day to honor my trust in Him, if you have trusted Him, 
it's still something we have to do. We have to let the idol go. If you have questions or comments for us, write to us at formeradventist at gmail.com. Don't forget to visit proclamationmagazine.com to sign up for our weekly emails and read our online articles. And follow us and like us on Facebook and Instagram. Please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And join us next week as we talk about what it looks like to live in the body of Christ. And we'll see you then. 